This morning, God's word comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. Matthew 2. We're going to begin our reading at verse 13 and then read through the end of this chapter. This takes place after the account of the wise men coming to see the young child Jesus. Matthew 2, verse 13, what we hear now is God's word. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we have for the last several weeks together been looking at how the Old Testament points forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. We've looked at four different passages in the book of Isaiah, all all moving our minds forward to when those prophecies would be fulfilled in the coming of Christ. Now this morning, we continue that same theme, Christ fulfilling prophecy, but from a little different perspective. Not from the Old Testament looking forward, but from a New Testament account of the early life of Jesus looking backward to see how he certainly does continue to fulfill all the prophecies. We are in the book of Matthew. Matthew, more than any other of the Gospels, connects Jesus with the Old Testament. It was written for Jewish readers. And they would make a lot of these connections that Matthew will refer to in the various texts that he quotes for them. We don't know much about the early life of Jesus. Luke gives us a couple incidents in his early life. 
Matthew gives us these few stories here in Matthew chapter 2. As I was working with this text this past week, I wasn't sure if these three stories are three separate sermons or if they are one sermon. I'm still not sure. I guess we'll find out this morning. But it it, it does seem to me these three incidents in the early life of Jesus are connected by a phrase that shows up in each of them. A phrase about Jesus fulfilling prophecy. In verse 15, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. In verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And in verse 23, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophets. And we see that in these three stories of his early life. We read in verse 13. Now, when they had departed, the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. An angel comes to Joseph again. An angel had come to Joseph earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 1, verse 20, angel comes to speak to Joseph. Joseph is considering a divorcing Mary. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Now an angel comes to him once again. God would come and speak to Joseph even before the child is born, and now after the child is born, God continues to care for his son. God continues to care for Jesus Christ. A reminder that that God not only only prepared for the coming of Jesus, but would watch over him as a loving father throughout his life. You know, when I was thinking about this story and what I remember of it when I was growing up, my memory was a little little fuzzy on this one. My memory was that uh, Herod uh, started to kill all the baby boys, and so Joseph was told to take Jesus down to Egypt. But that's not what the text says. Not that Herod was acting wickedly, and so, so Joseph was told to leave. Look what we read. The end of the verse. Rise, take the child. Herod is about to search for the child. To destroy him. Herod had not yet made this terrible decision. Herod is about to look for the child to destroy him. God provides the way of escape even before the time of difficulty. God knows what is going to happen. God knows what Herod is going to do when he becomes frustrated with the, the work of the wise men. And before it even takes place, God sends his son Jesus down to Egypt. What a wonderful reminder. What a wonderful blessing for us. God does not simply respond to the wickedness of men. But God is aware of that wickedness even before it happens. He knows, and he is there to provide escape. 
God is never surprised. God never says, wow, I didn't see that coming. God knows what will happen. And he will care for his own. Just as he cares for his son, Jesus Christ, and even before the evil decree is given, he sends his son away. So many times, God protects us, cares for us, even before the trial, the difficulty comes. A great assurance, a great comfort to us. God knows what's going to happen today. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen next week. He knows what's going to happen next month and next year and throughout our lives. And he will provide those those means whereby many of those things, he he prepares the escape even ahead of time. Herod was about to search for the child to destroy him, and God, God sends Jesus away. Joseph responds immediately in obedience. We read in verse 14, And he rose and took the child and with his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Joseph hears the angel speak. He hears the command of God and he responds immediately that God would care for him and God would care for his family. Joseph doesn't say, you know what, let's just wait and see. Maybe, maybe it won't be that bad. Maybe Herod won't make the decree. Maybe, maybe we can hide from Herod. He doesn't try to fix the problem himself. He hears the command of God and he responds immediately. He doesn't say, let's wait and see how this all works out. So often, it seems in our lives, when God gives us clear direction from his word, our response is, yeah, but but maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe I can figure this out myself. Rather than responding with immediate uh, immediate obedience to his word. We so often think we know better. No one knows better than, than to obey the perfect plan of God. He responds immediately. And then what happens? Verse 15. And they remained there till the death of Herod. This was to fulfill... What the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. This quotation of an Old Testament prophecy, again seeing Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophets. That's why we have four different Gospels. They all give us a bit of a different perspective on his life. And as I said, Matthew, writing to Jews, would recognize where this quotation came from. Out of Egypt I called my son. They would recognize that as coming from the prophet Hosea. When God, warning his people about a future captivity, would remind them of a past captivity, and how even in that captivity, he had cared for them, he had rescued them, he had brought Israel, his son, out of Egypt. And now we see that fulfilled even more perfectly in the life of Jesus, the true Israel of God. God's true firstborn son. That yes, he will go down to Egypt, but God would watch over and protect him even there. Notice what the prophecy was. The prophecy wasn't, into Egypt I will send my son. The prophecy is, out of Egypt I have called my son. It was a word of hope, a word of assurance, a word of comfort. Yes, they would go down to Egypt, but that's not where they were going to spend the rest of their life. 
Because just as God had brought in the first Israel out of Egypt, God now will bring the true Israel out of Egypt. I have called my son. A word of hope, a word of assurance, a word of comfort. That God would be faithful to his word. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophets. And we have that that terrible story beginning in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time he had ascertained from the wise men. Herod, a terrible, wicked king. Herod, who would kill many throughout his lifetime, including the death of these boys two years old and younger. But even in this terrible thing, even in this awful thing, we read, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Again, as I said, uh, Matthew is writing to those who would recognize this Old Testament quotation. And it was not uncommon for, uh, for those who would quote the Old Testament to quote just, just a part of a verse or a part of a prophecy knowing that the hearers would be able to fill in the rest. So, for example, if I wanted to to, uh, in the course of a sermon, make a passing reference uh, to God's love which extends to all of his own throughout the world, I might say, you know, it's like for God so loved the world. It's like for God so loved the world. And you and your minds would fill in, oh, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, the breath of salvation, but all I say is for God so loved the world, and you fill in the rest. That's what's going on here. Matthew is giving us a piece of a prophecy, knowing that his hearers would fill in the rest. I always encourage you, whenever we see a a prophecy quoted in the New Testament, it's really important to go back to the Old Testament, seeing where that prophecy came from. This prophecy coming from Jeremiah, particularly from Jeremiah 31. And at verse 15, we read this. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord and your children shall come back to their own country. As the hearers would hear this prophecy, this word of a voice in Ramah, weeping and lamentation, their minds would go, but there's more than that. Yes, this is a terrible thing. This is an awful thing. All these young boys killed. But there's more to the prophecy, that they would be brought back, that God would care for them. There would be an end to their weeping Even even in times of despair, in times of tragedy, we have the hope that God remains in control. 
And he will continue to watch over his children. Yes, there was weeping in Ramah, but that weeping would come to an end in times of tragedy in our own lives. We know that God has not left us. And, and, and the hurt is real. The pain of, uh, of broken relationships, the pain of losing loved ones, the pains and the difficulties we have in our life are all real. But this reminds us, even in this terrible, awful thing of the killing of all the young boys, there would be hope yet. God would say there'll be an end to the weeping, an end to the tears. I will remain with you. God's ongoing care for his own. He preserves the life of his son. In the midst of all of this death, all of this tragedy, Jesus Christ's life is preserved now. He is not given up to death now in order that in God's time, he would be given up to death but that would be for our life. This beautiful prophecy, this beautiful reminder in the times of tears and difficulties and hurts in our life, there will be a restoration. God will care for his own, as, as uh, Revelation says, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He continues to care for his people. Jesus Christ fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. And then, uh, finally, we have this last story, verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Egypt, Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. Once again, a command from God, a command mediated by an angel, and once again, Joseph's immediate obedience. His knowledge of who God is allowed him to obey immediately. Verse 21, and he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But a warning. Verse 22, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream he withdrew to the district of Galilee. There's so much going on right there in that verse. Well, first of all, Archelaus, the son of Herod, the apple did not fall far from the tree. He was as wicked and terrible as his father. Joseph is afraid, our text tells us. But it wasn't his fear that kept him from going back where he thought he was going to go. It was God's direction. Being warned once again in a dream. He would follow the instructions of God, and now God instructs him again to withdraw to the district of Galilee. God continued to exercise his control. God continued to care for his son. God continued to watch over and protect him. Whether he was down in Egypt or whether he's coming back again, God's care over his child. And that care that he would go to Galilee is part of the fulfillment of this last prophecy. Verse 23. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. The difficulty with this last fulfillment of prophecy is that... <laughs> We don't have any particular prophecy in the Scriptures 
which says Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Now, some have tried to amend the text in a couple different ways. Some say, no, it shouldn't be read as Nazarene, but as Nazarite, one who takes a vow of obedience to the Lord. But that requires amending the text. Not really a good idea to do. Some say, you know, the, the, and this is a little bit more exegetically palatable, the word here in its root has a suggestion of being a, a reference to the, uh, the branch or the stump of Jesse. Uh, that, again, a reference to where Jesus came from. But I would suggest what we have going on here is, is uh, further explained later in the Gospels. He would be called a Nazarene. Nazareth, children, was kind of, kind of a place of scorn. In fact, Gospel of John, someone will say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When they hear Jesus is from that, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth was kind of a despised place, a rejected place, a place that was looked down on. And yet Jesus would be called a Nazarene because that would be the character of his life. He would be despised, he would be rejected. He would be looked down upon. Ultimately, he would be killed in the most cruel way possible. He was the Nazarene. And he was all of this on our behalf. We who, in light of God's holy law, should be despised, should be rejected, should be condemned. Jesus comes instead, and he is the Nazarene who stands in our place. He is the one who would be brought out of Egypt, a picture of our restoration. He is the one who would bring comfort in Rama, a blessing for us even today, and he is the one who is despised and rejected in his life and in his death that we might have life. And not for this life only, but life eternal. The curses would be called out and laid upon him, the Nazarene, that we might receive all of the blessings, all of the benefits of belonging to Jesus Christ. He comes as the perfect fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the one who has been declared throughout the Scriptures, pointed forward to, pictured in various prophecies and various ceremonies, and now on his, as he comes on the scene as he's a young child, Matthew looks back and says, this is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one the prophecy's been speaking about. And he highlights this for his readers. This is the Christ. This is the anointed. This is Jesus, the fulfillment of of the prophets. It is that same Jesus that we declare today. Jesus, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus, who would be declared to the Jews, this is the one you must embrace, this is the one you were looking for. Jesus, who is declared to us today, He is the one 
the one chosen by God to fulfill all of His Word, He calls out to you this morning, trust Him, the fulfillment of prophecy. Trust God's Word and His fulfillment. Embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, and know all of the benefits, everything He has done for you. The one who releases you from captivity, the captivity of sin. The one who, who will dry every tear from every eye. And the one who was rejected, the one who was despised, that we might receive all the blessings, all the glories of belonging to him. Trust Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of God's word, the fulfillment of the prophets. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are so thankful to you for your word for it is beautiful and it is glorious. And there are riches and depths in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, these glorious references to your Son and how you cared for Him as a picture of how you care for us. Lord God, today might we rejoice in Jesus Christ. Might we rejoice in your ongoing care for him before his birth and throughout his life, for that pictures what you do for us as well. Lord, for those who are this morning in the captivity of sin, give them the gift of faith that they might embrace this Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For those who are weeping the tears in Ramah, give encouragement, give blessing, give strength, knowing that you are the God who knows what is happening and who will take them through. Lord God, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we're not despised, we're not rejected, but we are loved as your own. Lord God, accept our thanks and hear our prayer, for we offer it in Jesus' name. Amen.